Welcome to Wing Talk from the INAP Fixed Wing Group. Now here is your host, Steve Schlesinger. Hey everybody, welcome to Wing Talk. I am your host, Steve Schlesinger. Today is a special Wing Talk. We're going to talk for two hours about the brand new FR Sky Ethos. That was Darren. <laughs> Darren's laughing right now. Uh, no, we're going to talk today about the next version of iNav. We're just calling it the next version of iNav because there's no numbers associated with it yet. That's going to be in the second hour. The first hour, we have a couple of guests. The first one's a moderator for um, the iNav Fixed Wing Group, Steve Lydon. And then we also have a special guest, a longtime member of the iNav Fixed Wing Group, who is helping us out with the project that we'll be talking about in the first hour, which is the Project Rosetta Stone. We have Christian Mo, and I can't pronounce his new last name. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but for right now, um, I want to say that I've been watching these videos that Darren has been putting out about, oh, fantastic videos about the PIF controllers. And they're also, the latest one is about angle mode. And so we, I noticed that when Darren threw it over to Mark, Mark has the same problem. So Mark, I'm going to help you out here. When I throw it over to you, what you do is say, this is how we say it in, in America. We, I introduce you, you just say, sup. And that's all you need to say. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, live from Halle, Germany, is Mr. Mark Hoffman. Mark, how are you doing today? Yeah, hi, Steve. I'm doing great. And I hope my microphone is working now. <laughs> just had a microphone awesome. glitch a minute before the stream starts. <laughs> Okay, He's freaking out a little bit. Yeah, okay, we had you, you sound great, it looked great. Thank you for being here. Um, as always, Mr. Darren Lines, all the way from the UK, and uh, Darren, love the new videos. What's going on with you? What's up? What's <laughs> <Stop. laughs> Yeah, no, we're doing good. Obviously, the new videos are great because Mark's in them, so he knows what he's talking about. Uh, so, mostly, um, but no, it's it's getting a lot of good feedback and helping a lot of people out learning the whole tuning and the PIF controller stuff. So yeah, that's fantastic. So hope you guys enjoy. Right. Show me how I can improve angle mode and how I can improve the horizon, horizon. mode. My favorite mode in the whole world. You can improve horizon really simply. You just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So speaking of someone. Um, as we have the COVID lockdown here, uh, it's where I guess we just found out seconds ago that the UK is coming out of the COVID lockdown in June, um, which means that some people will be going to the barber. Uh, in the meantime, we're probably talking about starting the next version of the BGs. Mr. Luke, hey, what's going on, Luke? Yeah, everything's good here. We've had some really good weather recently, so I've been doing a lot of flying. And like you say, uh, end of lockdown soon, so I'll finally be rid of this hair. <laughs> I say it's very give here. Hey, I was gonna wanted to ask you. I, I've noticed that your bed's a little bit higher up this week. Ah, yeah. I might actually be able to get it on camera. Uh, I've put stilts under my bed so I can fit more stuff underneath <laughs> my bed. It's it's finally gotten to that point. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So we are going to introduce our first guest, which is a moderator. Now, what happened was when we started the INF Fixed Wing Group, um, I asked uh, Arthur Hendricks to help me out as a moderator. I didn't know at the time that he was actually starting his own company making planes. And um, the, it's not, that's not an issue. The issue is that he has so little time. So he has a full-time job. He has like 
four kids under age 12 and he just was a super busy guy. So finally I knew like he couldn't do it anymore. So we had to replace Arthur. Arthur asked uh, if he could uh, step down as a moderator and uh, give it to someone who has a little more time on their hands. So uh, I looked around the group and I wanted somebody who was active in the group. Also want someone in the UK because they're awake while I'm asleep. And, uh, you know, we kind of have our structured the way that you know, we have always someone who's around, always someone who's awake. Um, but uh, so I looked around the group and I saw that there was one guy who kind of knew every single plane. Whenever I brought up a plane at the top 21, he always had great feedback. So I said, Steve, can you help us out as a moderator? And he graciously agreed. So, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Well, fantastic. I forgot to start my clock. Here we go. We're going to start now. So, OK, so, Steve, um, we are now that we know all these different planes that you have because uh, like every single plane in the top 21 steve's owned at one point or another or at least most of them um what is the one that really stands out in your mind oh um this i suppose the c1 c1's got to be one of my one of my favorites it's probably the first wing i did 10k with um the bix the three that was that was the first plane I did 10k with, and it's just a cracking slow slow flying plane. Um, so yeah, those those two are probably the standout ones. Although I don't have a C1 anymore, I gave that away. Okay, you can always buy another one. Yeah, yeah, a friend had lost his um, doing doing distance, and unfortunately, it, it went down. He got a vector in it. And he'd set the altitude to return home at 80 meters, but he'd gone down over some hills. So it, it crashed into the side of a hill when failsafe kicked in. So unfortunately, he never recovered that back. So well, the best way to fix it is get rid of the vector and then put INAV in there. And then there's well, some commands for to get it. To, yeah. I, I have been trying. To I guess that problem's it. fixed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually, he actually was flying. An S800 on um, on the Argy plane, and I've never seen a plane shake and roll and rattle as much as that did. <laughs> and finally, after that, I said, "Fly, you know, fl fly Einav." After he saw the um, Eshin 680 Blackwing fly of mine, and he, he switched over to Einav, and he's doing seems to do well. It's been okay, a while. There's only two people thing. in the world who seem to buy that plane, the Eshin. Uh, 680. It's a little black wing. That's you and me. I, I guess you have to be over age 50 in order to own that plane. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was actually a friend um, that, had, that had got one and he was struggling to fly it and he, he was flying it manually without any flight controller or any stabilizers in and it's a bit of a handful and he's a new pilot so he gave it to me graciously. I flew it, loved it I think I put an Eagle Tree Guardian in there to, to tame it down. But it took me a while to figure out that the CG was actually about five mil forward of the, the marks. And once you, you, you move the CG, it, it's a different animal completely. It was basically the, the Guardian was making it flyable. Um, but once you, you flew it slow, the thing used to tip stall <laughs> and fall to the ground. So the Ishin Blackwing is a... Pretty large um, 
they call it the wing the wing size itself is pretty large so it is the what is it called the wing cord wing cord thank you i just lost my whatever wing cord so it has a large wing cord and it looks like a something kind of batman it's a really cool plane and when you get the thing flying right around the park especially it looks like it's magic it just kind of like hovers around um and the, also the thing I like about the plane is that I put a, a uh, the red bottom. We were talking about these, the Emacs um, 2205 on there. Yep. And with a six-inch prop, and I had that thing out to 1,000 meters, and I could hear it all the way out 1,000 meters. I could hear it turning around and coming back. I've, I've actually swapped mine out now, the red bottom. I've put a, um, an Emacs 2207, 2400 kV. And I switched to one of the um, the Dal triblade folding triblades, and it's it's quieter. It's it's significantly quieter. The amp drawer is up, and I think the efficiency is down. Uh, whether I'd stick to that, I don't know. But I'm still getting reasonably flight reasonable flight times out of it. But it does seem to chew the amps more with that so with the motor. We're talking about the UK right now. Um, I was going to ask you a question about the UK. You are, uh, Darren and Luke both live in the same city, which is Portsmouth, and and they're located, I guess it's south in the UK? Yeah. It's south of London, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got, yeah. So, um, and then you are kind of north, and we're trying to figure out exactly where you're at. And I, uh, uh, Darren was saying you're above Nottingham. You're north of Nottingham. Yeah, I'm about... 70 miles north of Nottingham. Um, probably from Darren, if he's up Portsmouth, uh, it's about 240 miles. Yeah, wow. I was trying to trying to sort of work out where it is. So I, was, I was saying it's probably about an hour north of Nottingham, sort of almost level with Manchester, but in the centre of the country, rough, rough. Yeah, it, yeah, it's east of Manchester. Basically, it, Scotland. Yeah, we. Um, I, I did go to the UK one time back in around 2006, and uh, when the thing that's interesting about the UK is you have London is this huge city, so it reminds me of Los Angeles or New York, this huge metropolitan city, and you get on a train, you go like 20 minutes away, you can get outside of Brixton and all these other places, and all of a sudden, you're in the middle of nowhere, and you're out in the countryside, and it's beautiful and lovely out there. And so I see all these flight videos you guys are doing. I always notice, like, especially where you live there, Steve, you're like middle of, you, you can get out there and you can fly over farms and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where I've been today, around the reservoirs, moorlands and stuff like that. Um, a, a friend took me to another spot, the one, again, I've not been to. Um, they took one and they went into, with the quads, in and around the, um, the trees and stuff. I <laughs> I lost two prop nuts and gave up. I'm not a quad pilot. I haven't flown quads for some time now, and I'm I'm certainly not into to that kind of thing. But then we moved to a different spot out in the middle of nowhere on a hillside, and I was flying sort of 60, 70 meters below me on on the um, the reservoir. Well, there were two reservoirs, so you go across one, spin it around, and go across to the other and then up on the hills and there's loads of different landmarks it was really good yeah you guys are lucky in the respect that you got open land out here in southern california what happens is if you go to los angeles and you go drive an hour south 
you're in Orange County and you are still surrounded by stuff. And then you get into Camp Pendleton, you can't fly anything around there. And then you get into San Diego County after that. And so there's like, in order to go out, you have to go east out in the desert. Um, so it's kind of a, not like what you have there in the UK where you can go 20 minutes away and get someplace nice to fly. And I guess that parts of like uh, Norway are like that as well, right, Christian? He's yeah, absolutely. Mute. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, all right. So we, uh, I was going to ask you, as far as uh, being in the group, how long have you been in the INAF X-Wing group for? Is that Steve? one to me? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's probably about a year or so now. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's not that, not a great deal. Okay. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Somebody um, told me about it because I didn't even know until then. Some, a friend recommended it. When we talk about people in the group, we're pretty much everyone here is hands on when it comes to what we do as far as the planes are concerned. We are absolutely we have more planes than we know what to do with, and you know, absolutely love the hobby. What do you think about INAV? How long have you been flying INAV for, Steve? Um, I got in at the very beginning when, um, oh, well, I can't think of his name now. Um, Rag the nuts. Oh, Matthew. Matthew Ogborn, yeah. yeah. When he was doing those videos, and I, I copied, went along with those, and got a, an omnibus. Um, so the 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 eight, uh, the six eighty Blackwing, before I've just updated it to two point six one because of the DJI that I've recently got. Um, it was on one point eight, <laughs> and I flew it on one point eight because I trimmed it and I'd done the tune and it flew well. And I'm of the opinion, if the thing flies well, you leave it alone. You don't start messing with it. And it, it was flying better then than it, I'm afraid to say, that it is now. It still needs some work. Um, but I'll get there. What is that? Four years worth of updates in one go? It must be about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I would have left it. But DJI needs 2.5 or above. Um, yeah, so, I think- And I have also had to do... The different software, um, the F, is it the FD, to be able to get use a soft serial, so I could um, put the DJI OSD on. Yeah, I think so one point one one point eight. That was about the time when I started to touch INAF the first time. They're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about the same here. Yeah, yeah, it's one nine for me. So I remember what one the... seven. That's, that was <laughs> the first one I was on. Was one point seven. Wow, that's some like old school Oh, well, stuff. The, the first one I was on was, I think, 1.5 or 1.6, the one that yeah. still supported, uh, what was it, the Acronase? That, that rings a bell, I can't remember the oh, name. But yeah, uh, those boards, I had a bunch of those boards. So that was the first yeah. version I used, but at that time, 1.8 was out, so. Yeah, the pre-F3 boards. Yeah, yeah, one of the F1s. Nase 32? Nase 32, that was it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, st- oh I still gosh. have one laying around here. <laughs> oh yeah, I have loads of the A32s. I used to run clean flight on them, so. Yeah, I think the Omnibus was on 1.6 or 1.7. Obviously, the the then I went to Matek. Honestly, once I touched Matek boards, I've never gone back. They've all been Matek. The good news, Steve, is that I did some testing on the next version of iNav, and the plane I used to test it with was a black wing so this was i took it out i did the first tune with it which is just the the um 
auto trim. Actually, the plane was already trimmed, but I did an auto trim with it. And then the next one was an auto tune, and the thing flies beautifully. So hold on to this plane until the next version of iNav comes out. You'll be absolutely happy with that. Well, Steve, um, hang in there with us. Be feel free to jump in. We are going to introduce a guest now, all the way from Norway. So um, this is a guy who was in the group when we were first starting. And so what would happen is in the first, I'd say, couple of months of iNav, everyone had questions and we had lots of videos of people crashing. And there's this guy from Norway has these absolutely perfect videos of him flying through snow-covered mountains in Norway. And I'm like, wow, this is so great. And he's like, oh, this is my fifth version of the S-800. And I remember having a conversation with Arthur, Arthur Hendricks. Arthur's like, this is the worst plane that was ever built. Throw it away. Do yourself a favor. Give it to someone. Get rid of it. You do not want it. Your life is going to be so much happier. So I remember talking to Christian about a year ago. Ask him, hey, you know, let's uh, talk about putting out a group build for the S-800. Uh, so this idea floats back a while ago. At the time, Christian had a really beautiful girlfriend. And unfortunately, she's not his girlfriend anymore. So Christian, what happened to your pretty girlfriend? Uh, well, she accidentally became my wife. Hey, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> uh, thank this you. This is fantastic. So we, you took a year off um, from iNav, and you were kind of telling us the story at the beginning. What happened? Why did you take time off? How did you come back to iNav and all that good stuff? What do you, you've, You're interesting in the respect that you took a year off, a hell of a lot of water went under the bridge, and now you are the guy who's seen it all from, like, where it was and where it is now, and you have a really interesting perspective. Uh, well, um, what actually made me take uh, one year break was I was uh, probably having more uh, time on the bench um, and building and tuning, tweaking, uh, upgrading. Um, I had this thing that I had to have everything that's new. Uh, always had to have the newest, coolest motors uh, with the best stats and uh, that gets kind of pricey and combined with um, with um, having a wife and full-time job. I do a lot of hunting, uh, fishing, uh, beer brewing. Um, well, I have a lot of hobbies uh, <laughs> and um, time and money just didn't. Um, yeah. Uh, the, um, so I, I figured out I had to to just take a little break, um, try something new, um, and just leave all the unfinished uh, projects be for um, for a little time. And um, well, I I also one of the one of the other things that also made me take a break was uh, one of my friends um, that I fly a lot with. Um, he bought the <laughs> DJI FPV system. And I was heavily uh, into analog. I had invested a lot of money into the new AKK boards, swapped out everything in probably like eight or, well, maybe as much as 10 models, uh, hugely invested. And uh, overnight, everything I had was obsolete in my eyes. Uh, I still fly analog though, uh, but uh, the experience was uh, mind-blowing uh, at the time. And I figured out, yeah, well, I, I can't afford uh, investing everything into digital now and, well, start all over. I just made the um, jump from R9 to Crossfire. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it was a really expensive year for me. Uh, not that I had had to do the change, but yeah. Well, no. So I take I took um, took a year off, uh, and when I came back, um, and I well got into the group. God damn, there was a lot of changes. I've missed out on so much, so many <laughs> cool planes. Uh, the Goblin uh, that was uh, one of my uh, one of the planes that I really wanted to own uh, dropped down to like 75 USD, uh, and I was like, God damn, I got to get back. So uh, well, uh, now I'm here, uh, I'm back, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, still gonna take a lot of time to get uh, all my uh, all of my fleet uh, updated, but. Um, but uh, we're slowly getting there, and it's good to be back on the six. Yeah. So one of the planes you have that was really interesting was the Buffalo FX seventy nine, which is a two meter plane, right? And um, so tell us about that. What, what was on there? What's on there now? Um, I was running probably one point nine. Uh, I haven't flown it for quite some time, um, mostly because it takes up a lot of space, and um, it's. Uh, at the time, I was flying at 1.3, so I had to, um, I had to um, um, carry around with that 1.3 big uh, array and everything. Um, it, uh, it's, it just became a hassle uh, to bring it out, and it was easier to get just get one of the micro or mini wings uh, and just uh, chuck him in there on 5.8 and just pull the goggles down and fly. So um, I didn't do. Um, I, I haven't got much flight time on it until now. Uh, I can barely squeeze it into the trunk of my car uh, if I pull the seats down, and uh, so I don't have to take it down for every single flight. So um, yeah, it's a it's a great plane to fly. Yeah. So you, you upgraded that to two point six. Yeah, two point six point one, I think it is. Um, right. And converted it to DJI Digital, and um, yeah. Uh, did some um, printed out a new motor mount to uh, reduce the um, the all the, all the noise and uh, to get a little bit more better airflow. Yeah, fantastic. So um, that um, you were just flying that recently, and how does it fly now compared to how it flew back in 1.9? Um, if you can remember, because 1.3 yeah. was actual VTX, uh, the video frequency you were flying on, right? And that was, what is that, the simple UHF or whatever that? Uh, I was flying a Dragon Link at the time, uh, okay. and um, at Range Link, it is, Range Link is the name. Uh, and I uh, had these uh, part-tom video transmitters, um, and uh, yeah, it was pretty old school, but I... At the time, I upgraded to uh, the Matek F405 when that the wing uh, when that was uh, new, and um, I previously flew that plane on um, uh, Pilot. Uh, oh. and I was also heavily invested into Pilot as well. <laughs> Walk <laughs> out of here with, sh with your face in shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the simplicity of INAV uh, what's is what caught me uh, when I saw the uh, videos that Matthew Ogborn in the UK um, uh, made uh, it everything felt so simple the OSD was integrated and you know um, so yeah but um, the flight performance now on 2.6 compared to 1.9 um, well that I, I didn't know how to tune planes first of all um, 
I think I yeah, just uh, uh, uploaded a preset that was kind of similar, but uh, well, it flew pretty sluggish. Um, so when I uh, just um, spent a little time in tuning the plane now, it feels uh, very great. Also, it's one of my, now it's my favorite plane to fly uh, out of all of them. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, that's and speaking of planes, you have a nice little collection of planes behind you, and maybe you can show us which uh, you can probably switch video cameras here so we can see this. Here we go. Look yeah. at this. All right. Um, so. here we have uh, uh, one of my black and yellow wings. Um, uh, the one to the left is the Caprinia two. Uh, which have seen better days. Um, there we go. <laughs> um, this one is still on 5.8. I uh, have uh, had a lot of cool flights with it. Uh, it's still operational. It's running, um, uh, yeah, the F722 wing board. Um, and it's it's uh, still rock solid, but uh, because of the, um, the weak, um, the weak uh, mounting uh, here in the nose, it uh, tends to break if you uh, have a less favorable landing. So uh, that really sucks if you're um, up in the mountains and carrying uh, your wing and you just get one and you just get uh, one flight before it's uh, totally broken. So uh, we actually in the group, we have a website, infixwinggroup.com. And on there is the somebody gave uh, settings for that particular plane. Have you happened to see that? No, um, that plane is probably still on 2.3, I guess. Mm. Okay, okay, well, time to upgrade that and check out the settings. It's on the, the Facebook, or not the Facebook group, but actual the, our website. And there should be links in the Facebook group to our website. Uh, next plane, please. Yeah, um, if I can do this without pulling the plug. Oh. This one is uh, my newest build. It's the uh, AR Pro Wing. Um, Beautiful, look at that. Yeah, it's the the quality feel is about the same as the Caprinia, um, and uh, it does uh, have um, a GoPro Seven mount up in front. Uh, printed that one in TPU. Uh, easy to mount uh, the um, the DJI um, air unit, and. Um, here I'm running a, just a Crossfire Nano TX. Um, I swapped out the um, the uh, foam elements with the balsa ones, painted them in yellow, and um, laminated it in. Um, I had some leftover uh, laminate from my uh, Drac. Uh, it's well, it's not qu quite suitable for uh, for laminating such small things, but because it's very stiff, but I managed to get it on there. Um, this one is running uh, actually some parts from my uh, deceased S800. Um, so the soul carries on, so to say. <laughs> uh, it's just, um, I, I just swapped out the PDB with um, one of those FC hub uh, wing PDBs and uh, uh, reused the uh, Martech F405 STD boards. Um, that those one are great. I. Yeah, 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 and it's very, very inexpensive, and uh, it's got all the features and UARTs that I need for my, uh, for my use. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's a clean, simple build. Um, I'm running a, 
Byton uh, BN220 uh, GPS and uh, simple Racistar um, ADAMP uh, ESC, which I have used in a different planes earlier with yeah, great success. Great, fantastic. And um, the next one here is what's left of my S800. <laughs> it's a sad sight. <laughs> Yeah, it's not looking. Uh, it's not not looking very great right now. But um, I have plans to just uh, glue it back together and uh, make it a zombie plane or something. Uh, it's been with me all around Norway. It's been mountain surfing up in the north, um, and it's been really great. Uh, so let's let's take a look at this plane really carefully. The first thing you'll notice, um, maybe Darren, what do you see? It looks different about this plane. Well, the, the thing that stands out the most is the bolster elevons, okay. uh, which, yeah, great upgrade. Okay, and maybe you can turn it sideways a little bit more so you can see. Yeah, different, different ringlets. Yeah, yeah, different ringlets and central, central fins, yeah. And yep. center fins, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a um, how is that a big wing from TBS called? Um, can't remember the name right now. Zephyr? Zephyr, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's um, actually everything on this plane is um, stolen from the, the original uh, Zephyr, the hardcore series that uh, Chris Click over at Right Wing in USA um, designed. And uh, the winglets is actually just scaled down Caprinia 2 uh, winglets that I, uh, it's not very. Really, uh, easy to see, but um, I implemented a little notch uh, in uh, the side of the S800 wing, so it can take a lot of more uh, hits before it breaks off, and uh, it, it makes it easy to line it up every time if something breaks, and you can just uh, break it off and just uh, so the alignment becomes perfect every time. Um, so that's uh, one of the few changes I made, um, and uh, yeah, the center fins. It's actually just, um, I just cut these myself. It's um, coroplast. Yeah, it's coroplast, four mil. Um, it's, uh, it's the stuff that you usually see on, yeah, again, right wing models. Um, I own uh, quite a few of them and uh, I like the feel um, on how they fly in the air. So I, that's how everything uh, started, I guess. It's, uh, let's see how we can make such a inexpensive, cheap durable and horrible flying plane uh just let's let's see if we can make it fly uh, a lot better and it does yeah that's the main reason why i focus on this plane is because of you in particular in the group was the idea that here's a plane that if you buy it take out of the box you fly it um you yeah, I guess now that Leslie has actually built one stock and he's used some of the new defaults and is he's gotten to fly and he's okay and he's pretty happy with it. It's really his first small wing for him, but um, it's not a great plane, unfortunately. Right, if you were to build it as it is, and it, what's cool about it is that it's really a plane that's designed, I'd say, for crossover quad pilots because you can take one of the motors that you have laying around and you can it kind of goes together if you understand how to put a quad together this plane is not very difficult to put together but unfortunately it just doesn't fly very well when you fly it stock right what are your experiences with that 
Um, when I first, uh, when the SA-200 first got my attention, uh, we uh, flew it just plain stock, uh, just it was my first flying wing. Um, I came from building foamies from uh, flight test uh, and I uh, always thought that uh, flying wings looked so cool and they seemed so simple to build. I owned a few quadcopters at the time, so uh, I figured out, yeah, okay, let's let's give the SA-200 a go. It's like $35 or something and uh, order one, uh, built it um, and it flew, uh, well, like shit, uh, honestly. <laughs> but um, but it was durable and I learned to fly line of sight. That This is way before I even put FBW gear, um, gear in it. And um, one of my uh, mates also bought one and uh, we flew like combat and we were trying to hit each other and um, it was a really fun plane to do that sort of thing with. And um, um, But after I have flown a little bit more expensive models and my skills progressed, um, I wanted something that um, that flew a little better, that felt a little bit more locked in, uh, so to say. And um, and uh, so I, I owned a quite a few right-wing models at the time. I had the Hardcore 44. Um, I also owned one of the VAS models, uh, video aerial systems. Uh, and um, I, I just like love the way those planes flew. Uh, so my thought was, what if I implemented one of the things that made these planes fly great onto this inexpensive uh, design. And uh, that's how all this, uh, well, this journey started, I guess. Um, so I started out by switching out the foam elements. Um, this is actually one of the first, uh, the first revisions, so to say. Um, I uh, this actually started out as um, you know that uh, miniature version of the S800, the S600. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically yeah. cut it in half and put them together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I built one of those, and um, uh, me, me and my friend, we actually um, discussed this the other day uh, that one of those Chinese models, like the C1 Chaser, the Wing Wing, um, the FX61, and 79 all flew great and they all had these aero style uh, winglets so um, um, I thought what if I just made those bigger and uh, um, change the profile a little in order to fit the big SA-200 so it follows the line um, of the plane without being too curved in the end uh, just to make a floater, and that really worked. Uh, the glide was actually a lot better, but since the carbon rods don't fully extend all the way out, it was like a seagull wing at the end. It, it, it just flexed too much if you just increase the speed. Uh, so I scrapped that idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, but what what really made the biggest difference was actually the uh, ball silo ones. That's uh, that that felt so much better. You can feel it suddenly uh, when you when you had your first when you had the first go on it. It was insanely great. Uh, so that's one of my main um, go to mods on every single plane that I buy these days. Actually, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So then, when did you just figure out how to put on the better winglets? Um, how I figured it out. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I spent a lot of time in um, in uh, Tinkercad and just trying to make uh, the design fit the SH uh, the S800 profile. Uh, multiple uh, trial and errors, and uh, I just uh, when I got a um, profile that well that worked, I just uh, dabbed a thick bead of hot glue and just uh, smacked it on just to uh, see if it worked, um, which it did for a few flights before uh, I was uh, mating it in the winter. So and hot glue and the cold weather don't really mix, so they broke off and it crashed. Um, but after I moved on from these aerotype winglets, um, I went over to um, to uh, this this type, um, similar to the one on the uh, Caprinia 2, um, and that really uh, did it for me. It was so locked in at higher speeds, all that uh, annoying wing wobble that you have on small airplane uh, was drastically reduced. Uh, it's still there, of course, it's still a small light um, FPV platform, but it's um, it's a lot better uh, than the stock SH200, and it's a very cheap mod to do too. Christian, have you tried the small winglets on the end, like similar to, I'm thinking of like the Zcon, have you tried that? So you've got the big ones in the middle and the small ones on the outside? Oh, I'm not sure if I know what you mean. Um, uh, yeah. Let me one sec. Yeah, the the Rafax from Stealth Rings uh, has something similar: very sleek and small ringlets at the uh, wingtips, and then the big fin in the middle. And uh, what Darren means is the Zcon has also these big fins on the right and the left of the of the prop. Yeah. So just ah, really, yeah. yeah, really small ones here, but then obviously the bigger fences in the middle. I'm sure the Zcon's exactly the same as the Drac, but in that respect. Well, the, the big advantage with doing that on a Zcon, or uh, I believe the Rafax as well, is that they're forward swept wings. So then the furthest back. No, no, no. Zcon's regular wing. Yeah, and the Rafax. That plane you just had there was. Or was that an Zcon? Yeah, this is a mini Drac. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so the the mini Drac. Uh, yeah, yeah. The advantage with that is it's a forward swept wing so that if you put the big fins in the middle, they're further back as well, so they ha they're more effective. Uh, you, obviously, you can still do it with a uh, you know normally rearward swept back wing, but you need even larger uh, fins in the middle. Yeah. I mean, uh, with a with a forward swept wing, you have to be careful anyway, because if the uh, forward swept is too strong, then the wing tips may might be in front of the CG of the plane, and then you don't have to use any wing tips at all or winglets at all. If you use yeah, winglets, exactly. you will act actually make the plane unstable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Jack, I don't have any winglets on it at all. Yeah, I think I think uh, when I when I look at the S eight hundred that uh, Christian just showed, uh, he basically really eliminated all the things uh, that could could uh, affect the flight behavior at all because you removed the uh, flimsy foam uh, elevons uh, that are too soft, so the pitch wobble was pretty strong because of that. Uh, so you could use the best servos, the best uh, linkages, whatever you do. The ringlets, uh, the elevons are just too flimsy and they, they will flex, especially on higher speed. Uh, the ringlets, the curved ringlets were a good idea, but badly done, actually. 
because curved winglets you usually use on cruisers and not on speed or acrobatic planes. I mean, on the AR Pro they work, but they have, I think they have put a lot more thought into the uh, shape of the winglets. So the straight ones are uh, much better on the S800. And I think the wing profile on the S800 is not that bad. As you said before, the glide ratio just with these long winglets uh, or with these straight winglets was already great. So uh, the overall ring profile seems to be very good already. Yep. Is, can you pick up the S800 one more time, Christian? And I want to actually, I could do it as well. This is what, this is a S800. Um, servo goes here, but there's a spot underneath the wing right here. So yeah, you're showing right here. Christian's holding his up too right now. Um, so Christian, say something so we can see you. Yeah. Um, here's mine. Okay. Right. So what happens is when you look at this, um, you'll see like, that's where you mount your VTX and that's where you mount your big ass, um, uh, antenna. Okay. Hey, hey. <laughs> that's where you mount your antenna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Darren, yeah. Say, show us that. Okay, so yeah, that's that's my antenna on the S800, if I can get it on shot. So VTX antenna, nothing. Perfect. Right. Brilliant. And yeah, just laminate over the top. And this is nice and stiff. <laughs> Still, it's one of my complaints that I have about the plane is that what they're doing is they're putting the weight out onto the wing. And that what happens is you have a disproportionate amount of weight. So you always have like the VTX on one side that weighs a lot, and then you might put the GPS or your receiver on the other side that weighs nothing. Do you have, well, Luke, do you have something to show us? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, just uh, my mini AR wing. Uh, the, so I've got the receiver out on one side. Oh, you can't see that because it's all, oh, there you go. So the receiver with the antenna right out on one wing, there's the receiver, you can see the heat sink for it. Oh, come on, there we go. And then uh, the video transmitter with the antenna for that, which you can just about see right at the end. And you just balance, put them at the right place on the wing so they're both balanced. And this is without any weight. It's uh, perfectly balanced. Yeah. So that's that's how you do it. And that's the problem. I wasn't that... really wanting to show that, but. <laughs> well, well, the point is, is like a lot of people, what they do is they put the really heavy VTX on one side and then and the antenna. And what would happen is you turn the thing would just flop over, right? And that's one of the problems with it. But when you put those big winglets on there, you add a lot of weight to it. So that all uh, helps with the balance as well. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, balance it. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> one of the things that I experienced, um, uh, unlike Darren's, I... Um, I uh, just ran a simple uh, circular polarized antenna up on top and uh, a slim um, crossfire antenna on the other side. And um, I could actually, I can actually feel, even though I added uh, a little bit of weight on the crossfire side to make up for the added weight on the, the VTEC side, I can feel the difference in uh, just drag from the antenna. So uh, mounting it like uh, Darren did is uh, perfect. and. Uh, you can get a lot, much more speed too uh, out of it, and a much more efficient platform. Yeah. But why not well, bring it closer to the fuselage, if as long as you're mounting it? Why, why use those bays? Separation. Uh, yeah, separation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you want them as far as possible. Yeah. So if, that. If, uh, if, yeah, sorry. Darren, go ahead. 
was, I was just going to say, if, if you're just flying quite close to you, it doesn't really matter. You could shove everything in the middle. But if you do want to push things, you want as much separation as possible. Otherwise, you're just hindering yourself. And yeah, there are people in the group who have said that they have the issues with the weight. But as Luke and I've just shown, you can you offset the balance so that it balances on that axis as well. If yeah, you I can do just think to... everything in even better. I do just want to point out when I balanced it, it was actually pointing slightly to the side, and that may have. It's not. It is balanced. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't ready for the demonstration. <laughs> so yeah, that that rate distribution thing is uh, also really important. I recognized that the first time on the Talon GT. Uh, it has its compartment very far out, uh, about ten centimeters away from the ring tips, and I have on one side an AKK FX2 with a 3D printed air scoop or air inlet and a heatsink on it, and on the other side it's just an uh, uh, R9 Slim Plus receiver, so very lightweight. And every time I launched the plane, I I couldn't do anything. It was always banking to the left around 45 degrees first, directly after launch, before it leveled out and flew straight. And after a while, I decided to uh, just put around 30 gram, no, 15 grams of uh, weight on the other wingtip. And since I did that, and the plane was completely balanced, it launches straight away so you really see that difference also the trim is different and that small amount of weight can do a lot uh, if it's outside in the ringlet uh, in the ring tip yeah and it's not just uh, that even obviously on, on launch you'll have a big problem and you always have that trim which will be creating efficiencies and stuff but you know if you imagine now you go upside down well the weight is acting on the opposite wingtip so you put in the trim to account for it being uh, you know, pulling in one direction, now you're upside down, you've got double the trim in the wrong direction. So it's, Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. So with those winglets, um, I think those winglets weigh about, what, about 15, 20 grams each? Uh, actually, I'm not really sure. Um, I never weighed mine because I ran a fairly heavy setup. Uh, my SH-100 is full up weight around uh, over a kilo at least. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, it's heavy. Um, <laughs> but that's actually one of the things that makes it a little bit more stable in the air uh, combined, with the, um, combined with the mods that we have talked through now. Um, I would like to mention one more thing about these um, uh, winglets. Uh, I'm not sure if it will show on camera, but they are actually a little bit more meaty on the underside. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, just like the Caprinia 2. Uh, they are slightly more... Um, um, yeah, they're not perfectly center. And uh, what that does, uh, I made this one like a fast cruiser. Uh, I had that one in mind. Cruise speed around 120 kilometers an hour. Uh, and I wanted everything to like, um, I, I wanted it to fly on rails. I didn't want it to be like acrobatic or something. Um, but with the heavy weight and the center fins, the heavy winglets, the balsa, um, that really made it a much better flying plane. And um, I also used the, um, the um, motor extender that comes in the kit. 
just to bring it a little bit away from uh, the body to get a little bit cleaner air. But then I smacked on this uh, center fence and it made it a lot more noisy. And uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure if that really helps, but um, it looks cool and it flies really, really great. So um, it's not the most efficient platform by any means, but um, it's tailored after my flying style and it works. Yeah. Okay, so as long as you, uh, what I really want to point out here was that what you've done is taken something that is started off as one thing and with some modifications made it something else. Have you built a plane, well, it's a PMP plane, out and just taken it and built it and flown it as it comes out of the box? Mm, yeah, uh, I have. Um, the models that I don't really touch is the um, is the uh, FX models from Seta. Um, those are excellent, great, perfect models. Um, I haven't, of course, not made any changes to the right wing models that I have because they are as good as it gets right out of the box. Um, but yeah, um, like I mentioned earlier, the, one of my favorite wings these days are um, the FX-79. Um, just right out of the box, um, it just flies great. It's glide for days too. Okay, so you have some planes that fly great right out of the box, like for example, the new AR Pro. If you were to build that stock and kind of keep it sensible, that's just a great plane. Yeah. Um, but if you take some of these other planes that you take right out of the box, like for example, this plane you have in particular, that's 800, and you were to fly it, you're not gonna enjoy it as much, right? Um, for me, no. Um, I've had a f quite a few hours in the air and um, you get like this preference on how you want your planes to fly and how they should behave on certain speeds and, um, no, so the S800 doesn't take any boxes for me, uh, just plain stock. Um, if you're not using it as a line of sight combat plane, uh, then it's probably great. Uh, but um, for the best FPV experience, I would certainly do the mods that, um, that we have uh, gone through now, yeah. Right, and the idea is that there's a lot of planes um, and there's a lot in the group in particular, even planes that fly pretty well, you can do some simple mods. Some For not too much money, you can buy, uh, you can print out some 3D parts for it and make it even better. So that's kind of the whole idea why we want to start off with in the top 21 planes in 2021, the SA-10 was number five. Um, so people still love it. But the idea is if you buy it as a kit, you can actually, you're free to modify it. And so... With the time we have remaining, I want to talk a little bit about what's coming up here for this next month, which is we're going to get into something called Project Rosetta Stone. And what I've noticed in particular in the group was there are a lot of people who are active members in the group, and it turns out they're flying FPV. It turns out they're using Copilot. It turns out they're using anything but iNav, and they're afraid to get started with iNav. So I wanted to come up with a platform which was real simple that we can all start off at the same time and build together and then have people ask questions so that we know it. this week we're going to start off here and you everyone is going to be in the same boat. So the first week, for example, we're going to be talking about 
getting your flight controller plugged in and getting it to work with your computer. And that sounds like really simple and basic, especially if you work with beta flight, but there's some people who cannot figure out how to get the flight controller to work with their computers. So we'll get past that. And then we're gonna get into setting up the flight controller. So every single week, um, and you are free to do whatever you want. You could build it just like a straight out of the box kit, but we also, we have available to you the mods. And so um, I know, for example, that Leslie has been documenting his build and I've been documenting my build and part of the build process is those winglets. So Christian, you have an announcement about those winglets. Yeah, um, I will make them public. So everybody who's doing the, um, uh, who's doing the uh, Rosetta Stone build um, will have the, uh, the STL files uh, available and uh, I will also gladly share the um, the um, the the measurements uh, for the uh, the um, what's it called the center stabilizers too uh, for those who want them yes. if that's what you're thinking about Steve <laughs> yes yeah that's what I was talking about who fantastic <laughs> So yeah, and, and people will ask, can we get, uh, what will happen if you were to make a, uh, I want to do this, but I don't want to build an S-800. I'm going to start off with another plane. Join along. We'll love to have you. You can make it an AR Pro. You can make it a Bixler. You can make it a mini track if you are so daring. Um, and we will, uh, you know, we're going to follow the process all the way along and it's going to be easy at first. Then all of a sudden in the last month, when we get into in particular May, when we have you start going out and throwing the plane around, <laughs> I guess Darren, behave, what do you, what's going oh, on? No, no, it's, it's for Luke's benefit. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> when we start off in May, we're, we're, uh, we're going to go to, um, it's going to get harder because we're going to have you go out and maiden and we're going to have you get manual trims down. We're going to show you the process and start to finish the correct way. And right as we're doing this, uh, the next version of INAV will come out. We'll talk about that in the next hour, but I have a feeling what's going to happen is it might not work out exactly with the timing. Uh, maybe, hopefully it will. Um, that would make things so much easier uh, if we could do that. Uh, all of a sudden I've got echo. Uh, yeah, just to explain what's going on, uh, that's the butt plug motor mill I have for my uh, mini AR wing. So <laughs> no one can see anything, yeah. So it extends it, you know, right behind the wing. And it's, you know, still louder than a tractor plane, but much quieter than the stock mini AR wing. CG. <laughs> so at least don't, f don't fly backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The penetrator. Well, the thing about it's interesting about Luke is that Luke, he doesn't get very many uh, kit builds. He mainly builds his own planes, like uh, the netball, for example, and things like that. Crazy. Yeah, I, I really hate getting kit build planes because I got this mini AR wing with the idea that I'd get in and it'd just be a beta plane. You know, I wouldn't do any mods to it, I'd just fly it as is. And all of a sudden, you know, it's got a 3D printed uh, aerodynamic nose it's got the motor it's got carbon fiber and fiberglass wing tips it yeah it just gets out of hand because i can't handle how bad everything is on its stock so <laughs> yeah I, I need to just give up on kit build planes <laughs> i spent more time on the mini ar wing than i have any plane i built from scratch 
<laughs> he also has. Do you happen to have a handy this the Radian? Uh, the Radian is it? Yeah. Multiple pieces at the moment. It has been for about the last. At least the tail of the Radian is just crazy. So this is uh, the Radian at the moment. You know, things hanging out of it and stuff. But this is well, actually, oh, yeah. None of what's here is actually Radian. Uh, <laughs> but this is, you know, a ducted fan, a V tail, all, all scratch built, and then the wings for the Radian. Oh no, more planes coming down. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the, the only thing that's actually left of the Radian is is the wings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, quite a complex, but it is flying. Is that, so is that an ASW28 uh, you just put on the bed? Yeah, that's an ASW28. Um, there's also a few other big gliders up there. Ah, okay. <laughs> hey, as long as we're showing off stuff, I've got, I love to put people on the spot. And Darren in particular loves when I put them on the spot. Can you do what you did earlier before the show and show us what's going on in your, that room of yours? You want to embarrass me and sh make me show all my, my mess to everyone. <laughs> well, you know what? It makes me feel better because my garage looks exactly the same way. So. <laughs> yeah, but this is in the house. <laughs> uh, one second, I'll turn a bigger lighter on. Light on. So yeah, I, I, actually, when uh, Darren showed his uh, room before, uh, I was also feeling much better here in my little cave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh um, right. So this is where everyone. Oh, where's the cable? I need to get something on screen so I can actually see it as well. Okay, so this is what everyone usually sees, which is reasonably tidy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the five feet of clean in this room. Check yeah, this yeah. Out. Five feet of clean. <laughs> I do my build. So the camera rigs up there. So I've got a couple of planes up there. Um, behind the uh, FW190 is the Riot, which I know Steve likes the Riot. Um, there's a, yeah, up on that shelf is a few as well. So I can't really stretch this cable anymore, but there's uh, yeah, Viperjet, uh, two Acro Watts. Um, another nitro. That's the Zedcon. A few wings, and then we get to the mess. So, I used to do a green screen when I first started, and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you can see there's um, a Ranger How 2000, Phoenix 2000. Um, How do you have so many boxes, Darren? Uh, stuff to build. <laughs> so, that's all, have they all got planes in? This one here is a Magnus uh, molded glider. Okay. Uh, that's actually the Oculus box. That's a mini Talon that I've had for about two or three years now. Uh, I've got that box too. Yeah, Rafax. Right. Luke was not here when you showed it the first time, right? No, no, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so mini Talon, Rafax, Nano Goblin, that's the Dragon's box. Uh, there's another box that I don't actually know what's in that. Uh, I know I've got a like a zaggy type glider somewhere uh, over there. I've got uh, the box for the Ranger, couple of wings for a 2.9 meter glider that I need to fix. Um, Crosswind Mini, couple of C1 chases I'm working on. Phoenix box, 
uh, yeah, the um, that thing is awesome, but deadly. <laughs> it's that- like a GB profile GB. foamy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I had uh, one. Is that the Hobby King one? Yeah, so, someone Looks at the like flight, it. Yeah. flight club made it to me. Yeah. But the CG is way off on it. It's so tail heavy. And every time I flew it, I, it's lucky it came down in one piece. How many times have you broke the motor mount? Uh, that, uh, the, only the prop broke, actually. Oh, um, that was on the last flight. But I've took it up about four times. Oh, um, you know, it's definitely CG because it was doing exactly the same problem inverted. So... <laughs> But yeah, um, so over there, a couple of C1 chases from some friends. I've got the, the glider up the top is what those wings are for. There's another glider, which apparently is a Graupner, um, but I'm yet to actually identify it. But behind that, two boxes of Nike Evo um, hotliners, my extra. Um, behind the extra, there's another S800. There's a AR wing in a box <laughs> in there. Lots of stuff. And then up in that corner, there's the mini dracks, the goblin, and yeah, so lots of mess. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? There's four, six of us here, and four of us are married. So, um, there's uh, Darren. I think is most evolved of all of us because he keeps the mess in one place that the wife can avoid. Well, yeah, so, exactly. She does. She, I mean, she bought me the crosswind. <laughs> so, <laughs> so long as the mess is in here, she doesn't care. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So um, Christian was telling us a story about being having a new wife. <laughs> he's, he's turning red right now. Tell us about this, Christian. Um, my wife was actually pretty. Um, uh, pretty uh, happy that I took a break from the hobby uh, <laughs> because I left uh, loose wires, uh, soldering irons, uh, boxes filled with foamies uh, all around the house. Um, she, uh, she was probably on the verge to um, to leave me at one point because I made such a mess. <laughs> but um, but uh, she actually uh, was one of those who said. Well, you should go out flying again. Um, but she probably wanted me out of the house since I work from home now because of COVID and everything. So um, she just wanted me out of the house, I guess. <laughs> so, um, but um, when I uh, started to upgrade and um, built the um, AR Pro, uh, she um, she was uh, yelling to me for days to clean the to clean the the the, the dinner table. Um, because I needed all the space, you know, to, yeah, build my planes and, uh, my basement is, uh, I, I can't even walk down there anymore. It's filled with boxes with unbuilt planes. It, my place is just like Darren's. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's so many boxes that I can't take one single step without, um, uh, stepping on something. So I have to like, um, it's like uh, the wall is lava, you know, where you have to like uh, jump from place to place in order to go through the room. It's 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 horrible. So uh, yeah, she's not very happy with me right now. Um, no. I'll say something really positive about your wife, though. So this is something that um, we actually have something in common. My grand. 
my dad recently started looking to Ancestry.com, and he's tried, traced our family back to Europe, back to like the 1800s. And um, we had on his great-grandfather's side or something way back when, he came to the United States, and he had this long um, Lithuanian last name, Zuzeski or something like that. So he marries this girl, and her last name is Levine, and he said, that's a great name. I'm taking it. So, Christian, tell us what happened. I remember you as Christian Mo. Then all of a sudden, your last name changed. Yeah. Um, the story behind that is um, my wife's last name is uh, Fagerhus. It's, um, it's probably an old Germanic or Germansk uh, name. Um, it's... Uh, I don't really know what the meaning is. Fager is beauty or something, and who's his house? So uh, I don't really know the meaning behind it. But uh, pretty uh, soon, yeah. <laughs> and um, and um, well, her her father only got girls, and uh, they were the last um, the last people here in Norway with that name. And um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I took her last name and. Um, yeah, that's the story behind that. So now I got a new last name. Fantastic. So that's beautiful. I love that story. Um, it makes you a cool guy. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for our first hour. We're going to take a 90-second break, and we're going to come back, and Mark and the guys are anxious. To, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Luke right now in the background. You can't see him, but he's, their plane's going in and out of the background and he's organizing them. It's, it's, this is amazing. I wish I could show this. This is so, Luke, say What's something. This? Do you want me to say something so that people can watch me put up my planes? It was just, yeah, just we, like, we, we just, like we five just, planes we, at a time coming in. Yeah, I, I think people get the impression that because like all of the planes on my wall are small planes, I only have really small planes. I know the big planes are up there or downstairs. <laughs> I have an idea. We leave we leave uh, Luke's camera uh, on during the break so he can tidy up and everyone can watch. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Cool. <laughs> I think we should start the, these uh, these talks. You know, we're looking for a logo, a, a mantra to start off with. We should start off like the uh, twelve step program. Hi, my name is Mark, and I've. I'm an I know I'm not addict. <laughs> and everyone says, hi, Mark. <laughs> okay, guys, let's take a 90-second break, and we'll be right back. I'm going to hit reset, and we're out. Okay, welcome back to the 12-step program for INAV. Um, I'm your host, Steve. We're going to get into our second hour now. I just really wanted to tell everyone how much better I feel knowing that um, I have the exact same problem that Darren has that Luke has, that Christian has, <laughs> Steve has, and Mark has. Everyone has this problem. If you're into INAV, you love INAV. And I'm sure you're going to want to know what's coming up because this next version of INAV is going to be absolutely insanely good. I mean, it is going to be something that's a game changer. So uh, you really want to pay attention to what Mark and Darren have to say. I'm just going to hand it right over to Mark. Mark, tell us about this. Yeah, Steven, uh, Steve, you should start in the marketing compartment somewhere. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a degree in marketing from San Diego State University, by the way. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, so uh, next version of INAF is, I would say, around the over uh, 
next next corner it's a little bit time to go a little bit development to do um i'm pretty close to some of the developers like uh alex and andreas and uh um, um, Pavel and um, yeah they are working on some great new features and some of them Steven and Christian will for sure love and everyone who uses uh, DJI FPV and also uh, people who are too lazy to uh, dive deep into the tuning should also listen now uh, because <laughs> INAF 2.7 or maybe INAF 3.0 it's not final yet uh, how the next version will be called because the changes are so big uh, we have a few great new features like uh, we talked in the last ring talk already about the new autotune I think if I remember correctly so the autotune will be partially overhauled it will be able in the future to calculate the plane rates automatically so you don't have to fly anymore in manual mode make roads make loops count the frames of your dvr recording to calculate how fast the plane actually can turn on one axis in the next inaf version inaf will be able to do that by itself so basically that's really yeah. important i just want to say that i I've been watching your video tutorials, and um, so you and Darren have been going over uh, iNav, and right, the thing about rates is something that you guys spent a lot of time on the first episode talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. So the, the rates are very, very important to have them set before you actually auto-tune in the current iNav versions, uh, because the PIFF values will orient uh, will orient themselves on the current rates and with INAF 2.7 or let's call it the next INAF version it will be able to automatically determine how fast the plane can roll how fast it can yaw how fast it can pitch and it will do that with some headroom for the controller to still stabilize even in rapid maneuvers uh, so the tune will not be too aggressive uh, it will stay gentle, but it will be much easier, especially for beginners, uh, to tune it. So with, yeah, that's a question that uh, Leslie asked. He was in particular. He wanted to. He asked me this, and I, I said I would ask on the show. Um, what he what what he asked was, can I set my rates lower than what they should be in order to get a, a more gentle flight out of a plane? Yes, absolutely you can. Uh, so the rates we usually determine are only the max limits of the plane that should not be passed because if the plane cannot turn faster but the flight controller wants to turn faster, this will cause overshoots, this will cause item uh, wind ups and uh, bounce backs and all strange stuff. And especially in navigation modes, this can actually cause into starts because the plane is over... Um, uh, over controlling banking further than it should do and uh, this will make things much easier and together with this new auto auto tune there will come new presets for the configurator uh, these were merged just uh, today in the morning and what that means is all the current presets like the s800 mini drag ar mini dart 250 what else was there i think the, there were some presets in the configurator they will all be removed in the new version they are not needed anymore so we only have two presets one is for flying rings and one is for conventional airplanes with a tail and you just plug in your plane you set it up you select 
either tailed plane or flying ring preset depending on your plane configuration you set up your mixer you launch auto trim land and then you launch again and do auto tune uh, land and save and you are done the tuning is basically complete so this would make things much much easier and uh yeah gives you uh, makes you much less work than before of course you still can fine-tune the tuning afterwards if you want to have your plane more aggressive and use more of the available service row uh, to get even faster more agile you can do that by yourself uh, but this will give you a very good baseline and the good thing is based on how the PID or PIFF controller works you can adjust the rates afterwards after the tuning without uh, the need of a complete retune that's a very very uh, convenient step because you just raise the rates and then you just compare again between manual mode and acro mode how much surface deflection you have and you can raise the rates further and further uh, until you reach the servo limit then you shouldn't go higher of course hmm. interesting so you can still use that the the master class tuning document for rates if you wanted to see you can count frames to see if you can get a little bit more out of it than what i'd have suggested that's that, that's not even not even needed anymore i think we can completely remove that part for uh, the rate determination um okay. in the first place uh we just have to move the part for the maximum surface deflection after the tuning at this point and then okay. you can adjust manually your rates afterwards but you have to be aware that you don't saturate your servos with higher rates that's that's the point Okay. And an, another big thing that will call uh, that will likely come, it's already merged into the master, but it needs some fine adjustments yet, some more testing. Uh, the PIFF controller will get an overhaul, and we will now get a PIDFF controller. Wow! And, Woohoo! Uh, finally! Yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Luke is happy about that. Uh, yeah, so it was so so close. We, we went from PID to PIFF. All we had to do is not get rid of the D. It would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, true. Absolutely. So uh, at this point, uh, for everyone watching the stream right now, in the after uh, or who is watching the recording right now, please pause at this position, go to Darren's channel, look at the first part of the uh, PIFF controller explanation to understand what I'm talking about now. Um, what the PIDFF controller will allow us, we can raise the P value of the controller way higher than it's right now. So I think uh, Alex will triple the value that's currently calculated. And uh, then we add a derivative value too to dampen overshoots. So this will allow us to have a much stiffer, much stronger wind and turbulence compensation. You will still have a jittery plane if you fly in turbulences or in, uh, in strong winds, but uh, INAF can compensate much stronger without getting overshoots on fast walls or, or loops or whatever. So the flight characteristics of the plane will change drastically at this point. And one important note is at this point, do not take over the tune from INAF 2.6 to the next INAF version. Uh, if you update, you can load back your diff. That's in the first place, that's no problem. But then you have to apply one of the default presets and just do an auto tune from there and you are done. So yeah any anything about that yeah that's so what i worked on was 
the first part of this then i i actually had a, an early version of this and uh it's one thing to say like um i i'd be excited about the next version i nav but it's kind of like we land on a different planet and there's you don't know if there's aliens outside that are ready to eat you you know you're the first one out with this and you're taking your plane out and you're doing this so yeah but it was actually a small um black wing and the thing flew phenomenal so i don't know what i had in the process it was maybe it was the first step and maybe we're on to some more improvements but it, it was insane how well this thing worked yeah actually what you have tested is not the new pidff controller and i think I'm not sure if your version had the automatic rate detection already. In. It did have automatic rate detection. It had it. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. So um, Steve already tested that. Um, and another feature was also in that firmware, but it's not yet the uh, new PIDFF controller in that one. And what the what made the plane actually fly that great was the new preset. So yeah. um, the new the new presets are selected with very low rates, very gentle flight characteristic, and um, basically you can you can use that for made in any plane from a six hundred millimeter scale up to two point five meters or so. The only plane I know of we had some some smaller issues with an uh, ASW twenty eight. That was why I was uh, curious if Luke has one. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one of the SW28s. Yeah, so um, the rates, uh, the new, new different rates are 180 degrees per second on roll and 90 degrees per second on pitch. And the ASW28 is not completely able to achieve that 180 on roll. So, uh, and the only problem we saw was that in navigation mode, if you use return to home with these defaults, then it was a little bit overshooting in banks and the banks were a little bit steep. So it was not perfect, but everything from 60 centimeters uh, or smaller up to let's say 2.4, 2.5 meters can actually fly and be made with these new default values. And this will make uh, especially uh, the maiden of big planes much easier than it was before. Okay, so the thing that's kind of important right here is you're saying you cannot take over, you cannot do a, a, a dump and bring over 2.61 to the next version of I now. You can, you can, you can actually, but you have to apply the tuning presets of the of the new configurator okay. and tune from there. So right. don't take so over the P, uh, the PIFF tune. Okay, the point that's important though is if you have a manual tune, if your plane's flying well in manual, it's going to be a no-brainer. It's going to be a lot easier process. So, uh, yes, of course. If you that that's always the case. If your plane flies great in manual, it will also fly great in in acro mode or so. So maybe the thing to do right now is we're waiting for this is if your plane is not flying well on manual, go back and start working on manual and trying to see if you can get it to fly a little bit better. Get your manual tunes, go back, read the uh, manual about getting the servo um, trims between 1450 and 1550. And that's a way to, to help keep things, you know, straighten it out the plane somewhat and make sure the manual trim is pretty much rock solid. Yeah, sure. That that should be that should be on spot, of course, before you actually do the tune. The better the trim is, the better the tune will be. Okay. So, Steve, what happened with your black wing? Because we're at this point right here. Um. Um, what do you mean? It just wasn't flying 
how it was when I was on a 1.8, but I haven't really had much chance to, to start tuning. I've done the trim. Uh, I still haven't done a tune on it yet. Okay, so the auto tune will help you out quite a bit. Okay, so you're, what we're, what's going to happen then? Okay, so we've got, we know that if you have yourself a good manual trim and if you follow your instructions, which are you don't have to do a lot, you don't have to sit there and do an auto trim and then do another auto trim and keep chasing that auto trims one after another and do a, a auto tune. This thing's going to, it's going to solve a lot of problems is what we're seeing. All the problems I'm seeing in the group where people say my plane, it doesn't fly quite right. A lot of these are going to be fixed, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, one of the biggest issues always was that uh, if you... If people have tuned their planes uh, and then yeah, they use navigation modes, especially on big planes like the Ranger uh, 1600 or 2400, and they switch into return to home or in position hold, that they bang to a 90 degrees or so and then start to wiggle around and or even stall. We, just recently, a few weeks ago, we had someone uh, crashing and I think it was in Bixler 3, if I remember correctly. Uh, it just crashed because it was banking so strongly that it actually stalled and uh, yes, then just spiraled down. And this was because of not correctly set rates. And people uh, forget that so often they think, okay, auto-tune and it's done, but actually it is not. And if you have uh, seen the videos from Darren, from Darren's channel we did together about the uh, PIFF controller and uh, all that other stuff, uh, you will understand why the rates are so important at this point. So yeah, the, the idea was that the rates, the PIF controller works off of the rates. And so if your rates are too high, that was the problem we saw, the rates were too high and people, the PIF controller were trying to, to make the plane do what it's impossible, can't possibly yeah. do, right, Mark? Yeah, exactly. So, and then uh, when we are at tuning, I mean, INAF, the next INAF version will basically uh, Big, it will be a big change in tuning overall. So not only that we don't need the rates and the uh, um, and with the new controller and all that stuff. What also is new and you already tested that is an automatic board alignment. So you don't have to uh, use the board alignment actually to make an exact uh, pitch angle for cruise flight to maintain altitude in. Um, in, in angle mode without altitude hold on. This will make uh, uh, position hold and return to home turns and all that stuff much more stable. If you have Mark, can you say that over again? Because I don't think that came out quite clear enough. Uh, what, do, what do you mean? Uh, just repeat what you just said. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> sorry, I, I was struggling a little bit. So, yeah, um, yeah to to have a good navigation uh, on INAV, you have to tune the board pitch alignment currently. And with the next INAV version, uh, we don't have to touch that anymore. We get a new value. I think it's board pitch trim call. It's, it's called board pitch trim. And the big advantage is we can tune that also automatically. So it can be enabled as an auto, tr uh, auto level. Uh, mode while you are flying in angle mode or in horizon mode and what it will actually do it will trim the board pitch angle as precisely as possible to maintain level flight in uh, angle mode and another big advantage is if you have turned your board like 90 degree or 
180 degree or even overhead doesn't matter anymore if you want to have the trim uh, the nose trimmed up you set a positive value if you want to have it trimmed down you set a negative value currently with the uh, classic board pitch alignment or board alignment values you have to rethink if the bone is twisted you have to make negative numbers or you have to add the pitch trim on the roll fields and all that stuff this will all be gone and you can do that completely automatically in uh, in the next INAF version just to clarify something there though mark um when you said you don't need to worry about it when you flip the flight control you, you still obviously have to tell the orientation of the flight controller yeah yeah sure is um other than is it pitch everything else will be in cli from going forwards yeah i, th I think uh Pavel decided to keep it in the configurator to have it accessible uh at least the yaw alignment because having yeah, the sorry. board having the board turned 90 degrees or to uh, 180 degrees whatever is still a common thing but usually it's not flipped over or vertical that's very very rare and that might completely move into cli only yeah yeah, it, it is. It, uh, the 2.7 I, I uh, built has not got those. It hasn't got pitch or roll anymore. It's just your. Um, yeah, it reminded me when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And what you were saying is that when you want to go up, before you would have to figure out where you were as far as the alignment was concerned. And if you wanted to go up, you would give positive values, go down, and give negative values. Now it doesn't matter where you, your board is turning, you, you put in positive or negative values, right? Exactly. So if you lose altitude, you put uh, put in a positive value to trim the nose a little bit up. And as I said before, it can be done automatically. And uh, you could, in theory, put that uh, auto level feature on the same switch as your angle mode or horizon mode if you want to fly in there. And with, it will stay active all the time and all the time trim your plane as soon as you release the sticks. Or you just do it once and uh, then you save after landing like an auto-tune then you remove the mode again and you don't have to touch it again so what's the advantage or disadvantage to that what do you mean well you just you said there's two different ways you could do it you can have it permanently enabled or you can have do it once set it and forget it so what would what would you want to do one versus the other um i think if you fly a lot in angle mode but you don't want to have altitude hold for example it makes sense to keep it on all the time because then it will also adapt on throttle changes so like you you have some windy conditions uh, you fly into one direction uh, you give more throttle so you have a higher airspeed so the angle of attack has to be reduced to maintain leather flight uh, this will be done automatically all the time and it will take a few seconds until it adapts to the new angle uh, but it will go automatically all the time i think what pavel and i uh, when we talked about that uh, we thought it might be useful for line of sight pilots for example that tend to cr just cruise around in angle mode uh, in their proximity to uh, maintain level or maintain altitude without altitude enabled i know luke will uh, <laughs> luke yeah, has I another opinion on this useless for line of sight pilots but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean maybe maybe people will like it may you don't have to use it uh, and yeah that's exactly you don't have to use it so if it's not useful to you just don't turn it on yeah absolutely so it can be used like air mode for example just as a modifier or it can be used for tuning only that doesn't really matter so it's just essentially an auto level mode yeah exactly Okay, and so yeah, that's kind of great. If you're out cruising around and just, and what you're saying is like, 
if you're on auto level, let's say, and then if you don't have this and you put throttle up, all of a sudden your plane starts gaining altitude. Maybe you don't want that. Maybe you just want to make sure you're flying faster, but also staying level, right? So yeah. with this, you could do that. Yeah, exactly. Ask, that, that's the whole point. Can yes, I ask how it does this? Is, is it GPS and barometer enabled? Is, is it done through that or...? Uh, yes, exactly. It it can use GPS altitude and barometer altitude. Whatever is available, one of both has to be av available, or the mode will not appear in the modes tab. And uh, it will just look at the variometer data if the plane uh, has a specific climb or a specific descent rate, and it just will adjust the uh, board alignment until the descent rate uh, hits zero. Excellent. So I guess it depends on how you like to fly. I mean, if you're flying, you want to go from point A to point B. You want to make sure you kind of keep your heading going the same direction. But a lot of times, you just kind of want to keep your altitude. You don't want it to go up uh, 100 meters. You don't want to drop to the ground, of course. But you just want to keep things pretty steady. But if you're a guy who likes flying the mini track and you're like flying close to the ground or doing proximity flying, this would make absolutely no sense for you, right? Yeah, then then it's not really needed. I mean, uh, you you just said uh, if you want to fly in uh, uh, um, uh, with different speeds in angle mode, um, the problem also is if you enable altitude hold, then also the motor control will go over to INAV. So as soon as you uh, enable alt hold, uh, the motor goes to auto throttle, and um, Without altitude hold, you don't have uh, a fixed altitude, and uh, this is why the uh, board alignment comes in handy. And by the way, uh, Davy or FPV just um, said something in the chat about auto trim. This has nothing to do with the servo auto trim. That's just the board alignment of INAV. So that are two completely different things. Okay, well, this is a major feature. Can this be on a switch though? Let's say you just wanted to turn it on for. Maybe you want to cruise around and you just want to turn it on, but maybe you want to fly proximity. Like the perfect example is that little black wing. That thing is can cruise, but also does proximity. So it would be perfect yeah. to have this on a switch. Yeah, sure, you can you can do that. Uh, and my plan when I will uh, update my planes and try these features uh, will be to, to uh, just put it on the auto trim on the same switch. So I just fly, if I do an auto trim in acro mode or manual mode or whatever, then nothing will happen on the board align it will just trim the servos and if i switch into angle mode and then enable the auto trim it will also trim the board alignment because the board alignment will take a few uh, a while longer it can take maybe five to ten seconds depends uh, how much trim is actually needed oh, okay. interesting so yeah uh, so much about that and the last feature and now dji fpv pilots should listen to is uh, what andreas is uh, programming um we analog guys we like to use our in-flight adjustments where we can select values on the osd they blink and then we can adjust them in flight like a full manual pit tuning all that stuff this will hopefully it's not finished yet this this will hopefully work on DJI FPV2, but you don't you won't have a lot of OSD elements in your view that you can select. But what the developer is doing, he uses the uh, INAV uh, name tag as an one line uh, adjustment selector. So 
if you if you switch through your adjustments you have set up in INAV, this adjustment sh will show up in the name line and show the value and then you can change them in flight so you basically have a one line menu you can scroll through i really like oh, that i think we need yeah. to move more to on-screen adjustments in INAV for in flight for even just you know things like we were talking about uh what was it your idea mark recently what do we mean what do we mean you had an idea recently uh, about something that could be on a switch. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you know that you're not going to make it home or something like that and you have your battery flat, uh, Mark had the idea of you could flip a switch and now returns home won't activate when you have a fail safe. And that means that when you go blow the tree line or whatever, uh, you will continue to land rather than or, you know, ditch the plane rather than it. The, INAV trying to do a return to home. The only problem with that is you don't really want it on a switch because that takes up switch position and you could accidentally knock it. Instead, uh, you really want it in some sort of sub menu on an on-screen display, which is what I thought, or Mark's idea that I'll let Mark explain to activate it. Yeah, so basically my idea was to have an uh, emergency <laughs> land modus if you want. Uh, look in your mute, please. please. Uh, if you have, um, if you ran out of battery, you know you won't make it home and you want to make sure that you don't hurt anybody, you don't uh, damage any property and you want to bring the plane down safely like five kilometers away, uh, was my idea to have an emergency landing mode to trigger manually on your radio. And uh, yeah, the idea was to uh, make a combination of throttle down with a short timer and then like switch into a position hold um, in a time frame of one second or so. So you can't do that uh, manually, um, accidentally. And the idea is that the plane then just stops the motor completely, goes into a dive angle and spirals down until it yeah, crashes in a safe position or lands hardly in a, in a safe position to make sure no one is short. But I, th I'm, I think the uh, feature request has still some uh, discussions ongoing, so it's not implemented yet. I, I don't know if it will come with the next INAF version. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think it's something that INAV definitely needs. And I think if INAV had, you know, a more full-featured in-flight menu system, it would be the, a perfect place to put it. You know, it could be at the bottom of the list, uh, emergency landing mode, and it could activate that. You don't have to have a switch for it. You don't have to remember some complex... Well, Mark's one's actually quite elegant in the end, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, so before Steve's fall, Steve falls asleep. <laughs> I was just listening to you. I go, I watch his videos at the end. I see myself. I go like fast forward like 20 minutes and there I am again. So I'm like, let you guys talk more. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that's everything uh, I could think of right now uh, from the big new features. There will be smaller adjustments. I think uh, I have recently looked at, let me have a look. Um, yeah, you can also, some smaller things, you can also select the speed source for your DJI OSD uh, in the future. So you, uh, at the moment it's only ground speed, but then you can switch between uh, ground speed, 3D speed or airspeed to be uh, shown on the OSD. And this will also, uh, or a similar change will also come to uh, analog pilots because right now, um, every OSD element like the scroll bars on the side and the um, 
yeah these core bars are only usable for ground speed and in the future you will have a global setting if you want to have your 3d speed airspeed or ground speed on these core bars and also used for other f uh, features like for the um for the programming tab for logic conditions and all that stuff you have more options and you have one global setting to what speed value you want to use then um what else there was something more and oh and please uh jet don't Ted, don't ask for H743. I have no idea if it will be ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the first thing Henrik said when he got in the chat. <laughs> it always is. It's, it's Henrik's classic move. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's a couple of little things. Um, nothing, nothing major. Um, so in the configurator, the modes page is going to be reordered. So things should be easier to find. So all the flight modes are going to be grouped together. Then start, say all the stuff to do with cameras, OSD will be grouped together. So it's just a tidy up. And Alex was looking to implement some cool things that will help. I think one was like a dummy acro mode. So if you don't have anything selected, acro mode will light up um, just so you, you can see that it's enabled because you know people still sort of struggle with nothing selected being acro which you know, is understandable, especially for new people. Um, so that was something Alex was looking into. Um, we also talked about maybe trying to get the um, the beta flight thing brought over. So um, on if you're changing your modes, you can actually choose auto and then flick the switch and then it will bring that channel into the box. So you don't have to remember what channel everything's on. So there's a couple of little things that are in the pipeline. So hopefully some of those will be in the next version as well. But oh, there's there's one little feature uh, I just found I think yesterday evening on GitHub. Uh, auto launch will get a new trigger. It will get a speed trigger, GPS speed trigger. That's also very interesting because if mm. you have a very big plane and maybe you have a weak launch or you do a like rubber band launch uh, with very low tension or whatever uh, auto launch in the future can also uh, be triggered just by the gps speed so if, if the floor was is too low that's cool but the plane passes uh, the default the three meters per second threshold then still auto launch will trigger because we had some uh, cases in the uh, in the past uh, also reported in the group people throw their plane with idle throttle at a very high point the plane was actually able to fly and to climb on that idle throttle value but the problem then is because the throttle is high you cannot abort the auto launch anymore so it will stay in that idle throttle and just climb until you lower the throttle to zero then wriggle the sticks and then take over control and that can be a little bit tricky so this new trigger will avoid this yeah that's what i was just going to mention because adam g had that happen to him um, <laughs> yeah um so yeah that's that's something that that's going to help out but yeah some cool features yeah so i think that's all we know right now about uh the new INAF version whatever it will be named <laughs> the most important alex question. just turned up <laughs> <laughs> yeah alex most... do, do, do we have information uh, or do we have a final decision if it will be 2.7 or 3.0 then put it in the chat <laughs> awesome thank you so much for your help alex um listen so one of the things that we had a problem with about two months ago in particular where people were joining the group and they were saying 
hey, can I get a full dump for my plane? I have an AR wing with this particular motor, this particular speed controller, this, you know, it weighs this much. And can you just please just give me everything all at once so I don't have to worry about this, right? And we had to go through, like, listen, we're not talking about giving you dump files. Uh, okay, how about PIDs? And then the argument always was, when it comes to PIDs, was, like, I got a set of PIDs. I'm about to take off my plane. I'm nervous as hell. Can I look at someone else's PIDs so I can see if I, I'm doing this right? So this kind of nullifies that whole argument, right, Mark? Yeah, to, to be honest, uh, the next time or within... Um, by the way, slash FPV just said Pavel also named it in his stream yesterday 3.0. So <laughs> it, seem, it seems to be fixed now. <laughs> yes. So yeah, and when Aina 3.0 is out and anyone comes in, hey, has someone some pits? Then we can all answer, you're just too lazy. Because <laughs> apply the preset and the preset flew great on every plane we have tested right now. And as I said, we have tested from .250G up to uh, AR Pro, AR Ring, S800, um, Ranger 1600. We had a mini drag even with that preset. And uh, yeah, the ASW28 and all planes flew fine. Every, uh, everyone was able to even auto launch with these presets with no wow. issues so um if you can get it in the air with that then probably your plane has some big faults i some someone in the chat before mentioned it i actually have to try it on the talent gt because the talent gt is really a bitch when it comes to default settings and auto tune just does not work on that plane if you auto tune it the pits will be or the piff values will be too low it will crash on the next launch attempt, definitely. So, yeah, <laughs> that will be interesting to test it on that plane. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is like, we get people in the group who start off and they're like, this is sometimes the first plane they've ever built. A lot of these guys come from quads and they're really excited about coming into the group. And, you know, if we can get them to sit down and focus for a few minutes and worry about things like CG and making sure, like, you're not putting too big of a motor in the back of your plane or that type of thing. If you can get the plane somewhat flying decently, this will help you quite a bit. But if you can really get the thing dialed in, it will help you a lot more. What I mean dialed in is that you can fly well in manual. Um, and that's a, a point that maybe we should talk about for a minute or two, um, about the manual trims. or What um, have you – how – how do we go about this, emphasizing with people, if you are so brand new to this, especially if you're coming to the group where you have no one around you to help you get a plane figured out properly, um, how do we emphasize to people, like, this is crucial for you to get this plane flying properly? Yeah, I think we, we have this topic in our guides or basically in every guide we ever wrote uh, about the pre um, the first setup. I think it's in even in your uh, INAV setup guide, it's in my tuning guide, it's in Darren's videos, it's in my videos. Uh, and every INAV tuning guide video out there says trim your plane first and that's always important there are different ways to do it you can do it in manual with the trim switches if you are somewhat experienced and know how to do it uh, you can do it in acro mode you can do it in angle mode if uh, you have calm calm weather doesn't matter do an auto trim do the mechanical trim it's three steps it's 
a two minute flight is needed you can do it on the same pack you use then for the complete auto tune i think it's it's not that hard but people have to know that they have to do that first all right but slightly different question we have people wrote in last week and they said my plane flies gripe flies fantastic but as soon as i switch into manual it goes into a tailspin and it's going down that's it's, a perfect sign of you should have tuned it in manual. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's a perfect sign of um, your plane is stay heavy because, yeah. uh, as, as we always say, a bad plane can fly, but a good plane will fly great. So if, if it, the problem is if you have a tail heavy plane, the flight controller can compensate for that because it can adjust so quickly to these pitch uh, issues that you get with a tail heavy plane you might not even uh, notice it. I know of someone, um, I think one or two years back, uh, he flew an uh, T-tail plane with rudder, with elevator altogether. He flew it with autopilot. It flew great. He launched it. It was stable. He could navigate. Everything was fine. But then he switched into manual mode. He completely... The... the, the, the the tail basically flipped over and the plane fall backwards to the ground. That was how tail heavy it was. And the flight controller was able to compensate for that. Uh, but yeah, you have to test your plane in manual mode and you have to make sure the CG is right. The mechanics have to be good at least. Okay, fantastic. What do you think as far as um, for this next, if you're a guy who has a plane that's ready to, to launch, you're in COVID lockdown right now. Would you, and you're not really super, like this is maybe your first time flying a plane. Would you be smarter to wait until this next version of iNav is out before you start going through this whole process? Uh, depends. I think um, in in theory, we, you could use the preset as you already did or the or the testers did. Yes. You could use this preset on any plane, even on 2.6 or 2.5. With 2.5, you will get some CLI errors because there are things in there uh, that are not supported by 2.5 yet. Uh, but with the rates and the P uh, PIFF values in this preset, you can theoretically launch any plane in manual uh, in auto launch already to get it flying. So I think there's no reason to wait explicitly for INA 3.0. Okay, do we have an idea when INAV 3.0 is coming out? I'm sure that's probably the first question people are going to have. Yeah, the, maybe the I, I can just repeat uh, Pavel here. So he thinks the first release candidates in end of May and a release, if nothing goes wrong, somewhere in, uh, somewhere in June. Wow, okay. So it, it, okay. It's, it's still a while till it will be released. I, I, I will add to... Uh... What you were talking about there, though, with if this is your first plane and you haven't ever flown a plane before, then, you know, forget about whatever your AR Wing Pro with INAV that you have at the moment and get a Bixler without a flight controller and fly it, you know, get used to it. Then <laughs> once you've learned how to fly a plane line of sight manually, then go to your AR Wing Pro with the flight controller and all that kind of thing. Yeah, of course, yeah. absolutely. You, you should be able to fly a plane at least. I, I just think I have to like prefix any sort of conversation along those lines with that because otherwise people think it's an endorsement for getting an AR Wing Pro with an F765 and, you know. 
And when he talks about that, what he means is don't go to your local park and launch it and have it land in a tree, you know. Or have uh, a person, you know. Yeah, you want to go into the biggest field you can possibly find with nothing around and launch that Bixler, right? And yeah. get that thing get that thing flying, yeah. I mean, I mean, in my opinion, I would rather uh, recommend something like the ZOHD Drift because it just takes some slight crashes a bit better than a Bixler. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I've never flown a drift, but from what I've seen, it's probably just about as good as a Bixler for learning to fly. So Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it's even slower, so you don't go too far away too quickly, especially if you fly line of sight. And may maybe I, I think uh, it might be even a good idea to get something like just the ZOHD Copilot. You throw it in. Uh, it's a few stick commands to set it up, and then you have you have this mm. uh, this this uh, safety net at least. But you still mm. can learn to fly line of sight. And yeah, uh, James Mega has also made a really good point. Simulators, uh, you know, even a first step before a Bixler or as an HD drift, you know, a few hours on a simulator will do you wonders. Agree on that, but please not the rings sim. Not no, rings. Sim. <laughs> yeah, rings is a pure game. It has nothing to do with simulations. And I uh, think, really. can you even go to line of sight in uh, in rings? You, I'm not sure. Can, I think you can, it yeah. Like, it's out of all. I mean, I, I don't get on with simulators anyway. Not, but I'm not recommended and not using. They are really good, but I, for me, I just don't get the depth perception, um, which is something that I you know in real re reality you get you can get but the wings is really just a game it's not really a proper simulator you can do fpv and line of sight but um yeah something a bit more geared towards learning rather than having fun you know, yeah sure Darren. but you can still have fun <laughs> i know that it's a bit outdated but uh i really love phoenix that's what i learned to fly on essentially or at least you know doing aerobatics and stuff so i think i yeah, didn't I, fine I, yeah, I think I had that uh, in the past when I did a few uh, a few tests. I, I was searching for some for some simulators, and to be honest, there are currently not really simulators around anymore that are still developed. There's one simulator; it has really yeah. absolute crap graphics, like smartphone games from five years ago or ten years ago. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I remember what I actually learned to fly on. Uh, he, this was back in like 2005 or whatever, was Flying Model Simulator. Oh. If any of you have heard of that, that's quite an experience flying on that simulator. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. there's an there's another one. Um, I'm I'm not sure what the name was. Uh, it started with uh, a, as a glider simulator. You can use for slope soaring, so it has even yeah. air, uh, air phone as well. wind simulations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think it's also not uh, continued anymore. No active development since 2019 or so. But no, there, there are a few current de that developments. I mean, Phoenix that Luke mentioned is a good one because it's it's not been developed for a while, so it will run on older computers absolutely fine and you can pick it up cheap. But you can get, like, their real flight they're still developing. I think they're that's, on 9.5 now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's expensive. It's about 90 quid. Or there's Aerofly, which I think is on version 8, which is even more expensive. Um, but they're both really good simulators. But Phoenix is absolutely fine. I, I, I used to use Phoenix. And, and I mean, yeah, simulator, did, did you say 90? That's it. Uh, yeah, PicoSim, Wolf has put it Mark, in. That's, that's what ah, I'm yeah. talking about. And you're Pico muted, Sim. Mark. Oh, 
Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm muted here. Yeah, I pressed the wrong button. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, PicoSim. I think that was the one uh, that started as a glider, and then they added some motor models later. And yeah, it looks like crap, but it's great to get su just a feeling to fly line of sight. I mean, you don't have to, uh, to train for acrobatics or 3D and loops and rolls and all that stuff. Just just fly some circuits around you just make a landing a few landings make a few launches okay you can simulate the launch but you can simulate the landings i think that's all that is uh, all what is need uh, all what is needed if you have a vtx issue or something on your fpv uh, gear and you want to land your plane safely you have to be able to at least land it line of sight mm. that's the most important thing Absolutely. Yeah. And that was the real flight 2.5 is what I learned to fly on. And so wow. <laughs> seven versions ago. <laughs> so we're back in the mid nineties. My friend took me out to the glider port and then let me fly his glider around a bit. And I was nervous as hell. I was doing fine until I came back to me and all of a sudden. So what I had to learn with line of sight is what you have to be able to fly exactly opposite. So you have to invert your control movements. Because and that is something that is a skill that is just muscle memory. You have to get it down, do it so many times that you can do it without thinking about it. It's just and the thing that I always remember was that I went to my local flying field after about a year or so flying. Uh, I just loved playing with the flight simulator, great flight, uh, great planes, or real flight. And uh, I went to the local flying field, and they had. This plane that was probably uh, a gasser that was probably had a 10 foot wingspan. And so, and they took it up to 400 feet and you could see it clear as day. And the, you know, the guy gave me the buddy box and he was telling me like, there was a girl that was before me and she was flying the thing around and she was doing like, she was playing a video game. And the problem is like when you make an error, you tend to overcompensate in the opposite direction. So if the wing starts going down a little bit and the next thing you know, it does this, you know. And um, what happens is that uh, when uh, they handed the controls to me, I took it and I took the thing around and I was flying. It was just like the simulator. It was like it was you know, responding. Everything was perfect. But I was like telling the guy, I said, hey, can I do a flip? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Do a flip. And so I'm flipping the plane around. And I'm like, this is great. So, yeah, I highly recommend a simulator. Um. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I did not follow these rules. I mean, I started completely by my own with uh, RC flying at all. Uh, I wanted some something I can control and fly since I was a little child. And I think four years of, is it four years now? Wow, uh, four years ago, uh, I found, uh, I got that 3D printer and then I, start, uh, I, I thought, hey what could i print with it and then somehow i um, found on youtube a video about the uh, 3d lab print planes and so i i bought for 20 dollars or 20 euros uh, a model of the uh, spitfire i printed it out and that was my first rc plane and i flew it line of sight i've never touched a simulator never fl never flown anything before and yet 
it was a bad idea, especially with inverted ailerons. I think a bad idea is an understatement. What Mark's referencing here is the worst possible way to have your first <laughs> RC plane. Absolutely. Uh, a 3D printed RC plane that you've built entirely yourself. No previous training. That is something. Yeah, no, no training. Uh, the most brittle way of, uh, to build a plane. Uh, one of the fastest LOS planes you want to not start with. And uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. Hey, it, at least it flew for about 35 to 40 seconds, even with inverted ailerons, because I had no muscle memory. I had to think about any movement, so it was possible to counteract at least for I, a while. I find that so, I find that so funny, because I know lots of people that have flown with reverse ailerons and just immediately crashed because it's all wrong. And yet, because right. you'd never flown before, it you know it made no difference to you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had to I had to think about any movement, everything I did, yeah. and so I, of of course after a while the muscle memory I had from computer games kicked in. So I got a gust from the left, and my instinct corrected to uh to With against the gust, but uh, to roll left. Uh, so yeah, that was the end of that flight. There's, by the way, if you look at my channel to the oldest videos, I think it was the first or second video on my channel right now. There is this Maiden flight with the Spitfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have to watch that one. Yeah, you have to wa uh, watch it. And uh, I ran through a few iterations. I think it's the third set of rings and the fourth fuselage that's the, uh, laying here. <laughs> I have printed. I have crashed a few until uh, until I got the AR ring and started FPV. But I when it crashed, would you say oh shyster when? Uh, yeah <laughs> exactly i'm like i'll but, go back to see that but 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 at least uh when i got the ar ring first uh with the crappy stock motor everything stock on 3s i flew it line of sight the first time <laughs> oh there you go that's that's pretty impressive hey i got a question to ask you guys what the hell is going on with all these new 250 dollars planes coming out from china it's like every single week i'm just seeing a new one Two hundred fifty dollars or two hundred fifty grams. Two hundred fifty dollars. I mean, there was one that was out last week. Have you seen these showing up? I know no, what that's the killer whale was, not yeah. it? Henry. The killer Pelfer. whale. Yeah, that was ah. the, <laughs> yeah. the stranded whale. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that one was ugly, but I need one. <laughs> hey, hey, it, 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 it still looks better than the air loader. Yeah, I think yes, we all does. agree on that. I thought it looked like the air loader. <laughs> if the air loader's uh, pretty cousin. Do you have the specs on that? I don't have the specs open. The, but... he, he, I, I was looking at it. It had like a no-name motor. It had it was just like for $250, you know, at least when you're buying an AR Pro and you're spending, what, I don't know what they're going for with the with the PNP. It's about 150 bucks or so. You, at least you're getting something decent. The motors are fantastic. The servos are great. This was kind of like all second rate. I mean, motors I never heard of before. Oh, we're looking at right now. Oh, yes. Yeah, here, here we yeah. have it. The killer whale. <laughs> I, think, I think Andrew's got one of those. I think he's just joined us in the, the chat. How did you get on with it, Andrew? I mean, it, it, it reminds me a bit on the... Uh, on the uh 747 that was used to uh that was used to transport the space shuttle because of the twin boom oh, yeah. uh, the, the the twin uh rudder at the back i mean it, it doesn't look too bad i think uh the, the 
we have to see how it flies. And yeah, uh, actually, that is the video from uh, Andrew here yeah. on the screen. Oh, he's got a video on it. Yeah, he does. It's a great ah, video. Nice. But have you guys seen that the um, Skywalker 1900 is back? No. Oh my god. I have to get one of those again. But one, one thing I immediately see when he has it in his hand. Look at this gigantic fuselage and these yes. small short rings that just doesn't fit together. Yeah. Mm. I, I, think, I think you have tons of room in there, but you can load it with, high, with big batteries because it will just not lift it. Yeah. Mm, I agree. Andrew loved it. I mean, I watched his video and he was flying around and his side was great. Yeah, he said, actually just said it's a nice little twin. <laughs> Similar to the Alba Bird. That's the Alba Bird, Alba. you can get three of them for the same price. <laughs> I, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, in the Alba Bird for what, $135 is like, with the for the PMP, has decent Sunny Sky motors on it. And so... It's like I don't know what they're thinking with this thing, but this oh. what this does have is really nice FPV mounts for all the different cameras. So. Yeah. I just I just saw that Andrew is in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, cool. Andrew, what batteries did you use in that? So it would be interesting how much it can actually lift because it, uh, before it gets too fast to uh, to safely land on grass or so. I think Andrew used oh. a 3000 for us, but he did say that two 3000s would fit. Yeah, okay. No tip the, stores. Fitting in based That's on much room. better than the air loader then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. one thing I want to say before we wrap it up for the day is that um, we've uh, what's been happening in the with what's going on with iNav, especially now we're talking about iNav version 3 because it's such a big amount of change, is that um, we really, what happens in the group is really, I think we pay attention to. So people like Mark Hoffman, I think reads every single post everyone writes in the group. And so he spends his time really doing his homework. Um, he listens to people. And Darren and Mark, I mean, these guys put in a hell of a lot of time into the group as far as figuring out what's going on. We've gone back and we've had a lot of issues with iNav. I started figuring out what the issues are. Um, not like iNav is bad kind of issues, but just kind of like why things, how they could fly better. And the developers have been listening and they've been really responsive. So, I mean, if you really do enjoy iNav, I would highly suggest recommend kicking a few dollars over to the developers so you you know help out keep them motivated even twenty dollars you know it just keeps them you know like hey we mean it what i do see happening is that this next version of inav i think is going to bring a lot of people into the hobby uh, because all of a sudden you don't have to be an expert you know the word's going to get around pretty quickly like i can make inav work so we're going to need a lot of support in the group from new pilots showing up, and especially if they live in other countries. I think more in particular is if you live in a country like uh, somewhere in Asia, for example, where English is a second language. And that's why Mark has been doing his a lot of his videos in German so he can get the content out there. But if, like, for example, Christian in Norway and in places you know, like that where people need help, you know, 
if you can help give uh, some advice to these people as they're getting started, it will definitely be worthwhile. Um, so really want to thank the developers for what they've done. This next version of iNav is going to be absolutely fabulous. The group is going to be there to support people as they get started in this. And of course, answer questions, um, but we're going to need even more support from all the members because I think a lot of people are going to be showing up here, uh, especially as we come off of COVID um, lockdowns. And I, this is exactly what we needed. We needed something to look forward to uh, after such a long lockdown period, something to go out, let's get flying once again. And this is seems to be the, the perfect thing. So guys, I really do want to thank Mark and Darren in particular for being the voice of the group taking it to the developers and helping us get INAF to where it's at right now or where it's going to be. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> There's so many people in the group that do help out a lot as well. So, yeah, I sort of feel bad for taking any sort of credit. Um, One of the big ones I've noticed recently is uh, Van. Oh, I forgot. I shouldn't have said anything because I've already forgotten his name. since. Oh, Al Alexander Van Ale Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> He's been doing a lot. Uh, he's not really in the chat. He's not going to take offence or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw his name literally like two minutes ago. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, uh, I, I've seen him uh, in the group a lot, and he's quite an active developer for iNav stuff. So, yeah. And he's a really cool guy. I've, I've only chatted with him like on GitHub, and uh, we, we've had a few private messages, but he's, yeah, really cool guy. Yeah, and he actually... Lots of really good ideas. And he did actually uh, develop the uh, overhaul of the auto-tune process with the rates, and I think also the PIDFF controller. That's also his baby. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I already uh, I also talked with uh, Pavel a little bit or a lot, and uh, he said Alex was so active in the development uh, during the last months. It's absolutely crazy. It's like he's doing it full of as a full-time job at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, big thanks to him, uh, absolutely, to uh, bring all the new stuff in there. So yeah, this is a community effort, and that's the thing. Uh, we don't have the funding um, like an autopilot. We don't have government contracts backing us up. This is all, the developers are hobbyists as well. So, But it's absolutely amazing to see what we're doing right now as far as how fast we can make things change. And I've never seen so much change um, have you guys noticed the conversations? Because I, what I've noticed up until about, I say iNav 2.5 was is kind of like, here's what Betaflight's done. Here's how we've improved it. And that seems to be what, and then, oh, here's a little something for the, the fixed wing guys. But this is all the change that, we, that we've done in, in correspondence to Betaflight. Now, all of a sudden, it seems like we're not even talking about Betaflight anymore. We're just talking about fixed wings. So what's happened with the developers? I mean, have they just... Why all of a sudden a big change for fixed wing? Yeah, I think it was just the ideas that came up that were interesting in this point. Um, and maybe the lockdown and the lo a lot of time, a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, it's going to be great. So before we go, let me ask uh, Christian. <laughs> He's like, um, you're a guy who came out of autopilot and you went to iNav and never went back. What was it about the even 1.9? This is a hell of a long time ago you made this switch. What was it about iNav that made you want to stay? Integrated OSD and user friendliness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a totally different world. Um, 
yeah, the change was incredible for me. Um, my first planes didn't fly very good, but once you get the hang of uh, the tuning and everything, um, the pieces starts to uh, fall into place. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, that's seems like a great way to end it. There, we've I mean, really had. Go ahead. I mean, just just one point uh, about that. Uh, I mean, we we all know autopilot can do more than enough, much more, especially on navigation and automation stuff, and uh, ground control stuff, and all the uh, all this. But I think even in real life, you don't buy a forty-ton truck if you want to go shopping some now and then. So yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's just Unless you're oh, American. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, watch it, it very Gib. <laughs> converting to Teslas. Yeah, I, I mean, in the in the most cases, autopilot is just absolute overkill for generic FPV pilots. Yeah, it, it has obvious. its place, sure, and I will build uh, another autoplane uh, setup too. I think very soon, so. The uh, Skyhunter Racing somewhere up here will uh, get autoplane because it will uh, become a micro VTOL and that's just not possible with INF at the moment. And I think the XUAV clouds that I'm planning for uh, summer will also get autopilot just because I want to have a very, very big cruiser for full autonomous missions uh, for pen and tilt systems with uh, point of interest fixation and all that stuff. So uh, I want to have that to really try these features but the standard planes i have there's no reason to merge them i agree 100 percent did we want to have a little chat about a little plane that's turning up quite soon ah yeah sure we can ring quickly talk about it i i wondering uh, what the chat says about i mean in the group it was uh, a lot of people are very interested in that one let me just quickly open the page. Didn't I had the PDF open somewhere? Yeah, here we go. So let me share my screen to everyone. So screen share. Here oh, we go. I could talk about it, but I have to kill you. <laughs> 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 so yeah uh, th th that's wh that's why i asked you before uh, when you when you talked about the uh, 250 dollar planes and uh then i've asked do you mean 250 dollar or 250 gram planes a while ago zohd asked us in the uh in the vip group uh how much interest there actually is and he said regulation ways it makes not much difference i think there are only a few countries where you benefit from a two, <laughs> sub 250 gram plane uh, but in most european countries you don't uh, you don't have any advantage at all but yeah zohd uh, presented a new micro nano talent <laughs> you could call it uh, talent 250g with um Proper ailerons. Yeah, with proper ailerons and V-tail and, and the same power setup like the Dart 250G and the Drift users, uh, the same servos and uh, more room for batteries. And that's really interesting. So I hope I will get one. Um, and uh, maybe it could replace my 250G uh, long range setup at this point. 
because uh, my idea is to put two S2P lithium ion in there. <clears throat> that could be interesting with five uh, with seven thousand milliamp hours of two S. You notice it has the straight wings too, right? You see that? Yes, the wings are straightened. So I think they even name it somewhere in the uh, in the PDF. It's the same document you can find on uh, Banggood. Yeah, and... it's on that page you were just on. Yeah, exactly. So um, you can build it for uh, sub 250 grams. I think if you go for a 3S1000 or 3S1800, uh, it will stay under 250 grams. Um, yeah, we'll see. I will definitely test it, how it flies uh, and how much fun it is. Is so there enough room for a flight controller in there? Yeah, sure. Uh, it has more space than the 250G. And uh, I have spoken to one of the uh, ZOHD guys, and he said you can even fit an F722 uh, flight controller in there. Wow! So no need for uh, um, for a WSE or so. So really, really you're talking about the F722 WPX, or is it the uh, no, S the, 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 the ring, the wing, yeah, the okay. ring version? Wait, right. I mean, so, uh, uh, WPX. Wait a second. The WPX, yeah, the WPX, yeah. because it's it's a little bit smaller. I'm not sure if the uh, F722 wing will fit in there, but it's end of life anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or the F, or you could you could fit an uh, F405 WSE in there and you run it on autoplane if you want. For that's example, a, that's a per perfect uh, flight controller for that plane. Sounds like it's yeah, yeah. So yeah, looks interesting uh, and maybe also very interesting for uh, DJI FPV pilots because it mm. can, uh, they definitely said it can carry more weight than the 250G uh, dart. Perfect. Hey, this one looks like a winner. I like this one. Mm, yeah, it looks like Yeah, cool. I like that. It probably yeah, flies for a very long time too. Yeah, they, they, that's what I want to try to put uh, 2S2P lithium ion in there. 7,000 milliamp hours 2S, this thing could fly for more than two hours. We have uh, Rich Adams is a member in our group. He's out in Long Beach, lives close to me, and he modified the Nano Talon to almost identical to this, and he loves that plane. So that's just, the thing flies forever. Just a great plane. The Nano Talon, another plane that out of the box flies horribly is the Nano Talon. I think that's the prototype of like, a plane that flies horribly out of the box is the nano challenge. <laughs> uh, Team Yankee is asking in the chat how how are the ring fitted? Quick cable disconnect. Um, as the rings are on top of the fuselage and say, uh, secured with a single screw in the middle, I don't think they have any kind of ring connectors. So you plug in the cables and then just put yeah, the rings it, on. It just like a Y connector on the the PDF you just showed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this looks great. Well, fantastic. Yeah, you, you're right. There's just a cable uh, below be, uh, below the rings on the disassembled part. Yeah. Wow. It's got control horns on all surfaces. Oh, that's what I like. Yeah, sure. And and the uh, Vitae servos are actually in the fuselage to keep the weight a little bit forward. So they have long push rods back to the Vitae. And uh, unfortunately, they are not uh, removable, so they are glued in place. It's so small anyway, though. Okay, yeah. so is this only going to be a PNP or is this going to come as a kit? Uh, no kit version. Only PNP okay. and FPV version. That, okay. That's interesting. Uh, P from the chat. Would If you had a plane this small, would you still want to take it apart? Would you be, maybe to put it in a backpack, I guess? Or 
would you just leave it together all the time? Leave it together. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I leave together all of, you know, my one meter, one and a half meter planes. Uh, I think even though I don't have loads of storage space, I still find it more convenient than, you know, mushing all the foam when you're putting bits together and stuff. Uh, but I know that I lots of people do take their planes apart. So yeah, I think re be being able to remove the wings at least can be very helpful because uh, when I go out to my uh, park flying spot, then I just remove the uh, I just remove the wings of my drift, for example, and then I put them in the side of my backpack and the drift at the back. So I have no wings sticking out uh, on the left and right if I drive with a bike or with a scooter. So it makes things easier, definitely, to pack it together in just in a small box. What were you going to say, Steve? Uh, I was going to say you can just put it on the back of a backpack like you would a, your quad when you're uh, you're traveling if you're going up a mountainside or something. I guess that's the thing. I need to do more backpacking. I, <laughs> <laughs> I tend to take the lazy route and just go to places I can drive to. <laughs> the thing is, I'm not, not alone. But I take everything apart so I can just fit more in the car. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah, I just got a bigger car. I... <laughs> well, I've got the same car. Well, you got the estate, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's nice about it is it's small. Because you were talking, Christian was just mentioning the, the new Sky Hunter, it's 1900. That's the, that's the official Sky Hunter you're talking about? Uh, the Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah. 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 It's like a T-Tower, isn't it, Skywalker? Yeah. Okay. Loads of different variants, and I had the 2014 carbon boom one with a conventional tail, um, and I've had a 1680 T tail as well. Yeah, that was it was an old one. When you get these little planes, you can put in the same spot it takes to store one of those big planes. You can put like ten of these little planes in there, right? And <laughs> yep, yeah, the little and, planes uh, aren't intimidating when you when you go with the public. If you go to the beach or something and you, you're flying it on the beach where these people are walking, yeah. you see that and they're not intimidated. You can fly that near them and they're no bat an eyelid. If you flew this, the 1900 Skywalker, <laughs> it'd frighten the life out of them. <laughs> it's one of the big reasons I like quiet planes. Uh, that, that DLG, uh, I, I posted a video of me flying it from the promenade in South Sea. And this is just, you know, a public footpath. There are plenty of people around. But because it's silent, you know, you, you can fly literally anywhere as long as you, you've got space to catch it kind of thing. Uh, and the same with lots of other small tractor planes. Yeah, that, that's that's the same reason why I also like to uh, fly the drift, for example, because it's really mm. slow. And uh, in, interestingly, it's uh, quieter on a 3S setup than on 2S because uh, on 2S, the uh, motor noise, the PWM noise gets, gets much louder. Uh, and that's the, the biggest thing you hear, but 3S, small 3x5-inch prop, and then I can fly through the park, and people don't care if I even pass 5 meters next to them. They just don't mm. care because it's so slow, it's light, it's quiet. Yeah. And even if I would hit someone, whatever, <laughs> uh, it, it's a push-up plane. It's a push-up plane with a, around 300 grams. It just doesn't hurt. It's a toy, yeah. So, what do you think, uh, Christian? Will the wife mind if that sat on the kitchen table, that little 250G, for a uh, week while you're building it? Um, she's uh, began to be quite used to it now. So, um, <laughs> I've had, I actually still have the um, the FX79 on the kitchen uh, dinner table still, with uh, lots of uh, wires and shit all over the place. So, uh, yeah. 
We'll see Perfect. after this talk if I'm still alive and I can see the morning light tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like we have a hit on our hands, or Zod has a hit on his hands with this next plane. So make two batches, okay, for this next one. Uh, don't run out of, like, make us wait another week like you did last time on the AR Pro. I think this is going to be a big seller. People are going to love this plane, especially. I like it because you can actually put a, a decent-sized flight controller in there, like the F405W. Uh, SE fantastic flight controller for this plane. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think and I think my guess why they don't make a, a kit version anymore is because uh, the shipping costs from China to Europe raised in the last few months or in the last half year massively. And I think uh, a very big part uh, you 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 don't see in the price at the end, but a very big part is still the shipping to get it to Europe. And yeah. uh, even if they would remove the servos and the motor, the price would maybe drop $10 or so. And I think then it doesn't make any sense anymore to uh, provide a kit version. Then if, if you want to put your own motor on it, get the PNP version, replace the motor. You still have, uh, in this case, four servos for free. And these servos are actually good, the ZOHD uh, 4.5 gram servos. Yeah. So Zod, you can like <laughs> ship a whole container full of these planes. You can put them in my driveway. I, for the United States, I know they'll sell that quickly. <laughs> my could wife would be crazy about the idea. Could save yeah. shipping costs. <laughs> <laughs> Just drop ship it to Cheeto Hills, California, and uh, you'll you'll know the house because you'll see my wife's car taken off and never coming back again. She'll be not to the end of it. <laughs> So, guys, thank you so much. This has been a great episode. This has been, uh, you know, it came together kind of last minute, but, man, this is so much good stuff to talk about. Probably one of my favorite episodes so far. So, guys, thank you for being here today. Thank yeah, you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank you. you, Steve. Nice All to right. Be Everyone wave bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Chad. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Wing Talk. The webcast is live the third Sunday of every month, and this podcast follows shortly afterwards. Check out inavfixedwingroup.com for more details.